you know what? I'm I'm a little bit ashamed to admit. I, I admit it's true about me. But you know what? It this used to make me as as mad as fire, and and now it just just kind of gets under my skin a little bit. And maybe it's because I just have more to worry about, and I just can't spend all my time being enraged about things. But I, here's what drives me nuts. It drives me nuts when somebody gets something they didn't earn, and they act like they deserved it. You know, if somebody's pulling out into traffic, you know, and, and I got the right of way and I let them go and they jet out and, and don't wave at me like a little thank you, man, it makes me, they did not earn that, right? It was my spot to give and I need like a thank you or something, you know, and I, I'm tempted to just, just you know, get one of those big bumpers that the police have and just bump them, you know, when they, when they let out. But, man, this, in a real way, and I hate to say it about myself, but when somebody gets something they didn't earn and then they act like they deserved it the whole time, man, it drives me nuts. But here lately, and this is a God thing, and this comes from some scripture and some people speaking into my life. But when those things come into my mind, just like a flood also coming into my mind is this reality of God reminding me, you do that too. And what you do is you act like in some way that, that the good that you do is because you are a good person. Like somehow you're better than the non-Christian or the skeptic who wants to prove Jesus wrong. You act like somehow that you're better than them. And, and I just get reminded that God saved me when there was no good in me. And there was nothing good about me. And, and maybe I was a nice guy, but I was a sinner and I was bound for hell. And I was constantly turning away from all things that were good. And I'm self-centered and, and full of envy and full of unrighteousness and full of unforgiveness and totally unsavable. And yet God saved me. And what he just brings to my mind is that I got something that I absolutely did not earn. I couldn't earn it in salvation and sometimes I look at people who are now where I once was, and I just kind of put this air out there like I'm a little bit better than them. Like somehow, you know, I kind of deserved it. And what I'm just so incredibly grateful for is that Jesus doesn't see people the way that sometimes I see them. And I'm so incredibly grateful that Jesus didn't look at me and say, you got yourself there. You did this to yourself. And, and, and without my help, you'll keep being terrible and you'll keep doing awful things, right? And I'm just so glad Jesus didn't see me that way. The text says this Samaritan, he looked at this guy and he took pity on him. This is a similar word to when Jesus looks at these crowds right before he, um, right before he tells his disciples something. He looks at this, these crowds and they're all following him. And Jesus is exhausted because everybody keeps following him around everywhere. And he just can't seem to get away from them. And, and Jesus turns around and he sees all the people following him. And instead of being frustrated and angry, this, the text says Jesus took compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And it's a similar word there. You know, this guy looks at this man and he takes compassion on him. And even though nothing good comes of this for the man, he takes this compassion on him. This is a, this is a pretty interesting word, um, if I can just, a little bit of a sidebar, but I find it to be pretty interesting. Um, this word compassion, this word pity, when you read it in the Bible, um, if you translate it literally kind of like the, the meaning of that word, it's a really long Greek word. But what it means is uh, to stir the bowels. It's pretty interesting, right? Um, because we say, you know, when something really gets you, you say, oh, man, it just, I felt it in my heart. But the truth is, when, when something really gets you, you don't feel it in your heart, right? Your heart doesn't skip a beat. Uh, you get, when you, when you meet a 
you know, nice young girl, you know, and, and you get butterflies in your stomach, right? It's in your stomach where all that's happening. And I'm going to walk through. I mean, that's gas. You know that, right? That's all that is, is gas. And and they were just a little more honest about it than we are. But but it's so interesting to think that Jesus sees these people and it, and it really, it stirs him spiritually and it stirs him physically. And he feels something for these people. And when the good Samaritan sees this guy, man, he feels something for him. And he has compassion on him and he loves him. The truth is, you and I can have compassion because we first received compassion from God. And you and I can deliver mercy because we first got mercy from God. And that's the only way we can do it. So then the question is, so, so now we know, right, this is who my neighbor is. And this is who I'm called to serve. But, but now what on earth am I supposed to do for them? Right. I can't do everything for them. I have limited resources. I have limited time. And what on earth can I do? And we look at this good Samaritan. We look at all the things that he that he does for this guy. I think two things stand out that he does for this guy. Number one, he gives him his time. It seems like this guy, this good Samaritan, he's not walking up and down this road. You know, he became the good Samaritan afterwards. Right. He wasn't just this good guy who walked up and down this road, finding people who had been robbed and rescuing them. You know, like he's got somewhere to be. And so he's walking down this road and he sees this guy and, and, and we know that he had somewhere to be because later he drops this guy off at the inn and then he goes on to finish his business and then he's going to come back later. And so he's got somewhere to be, but yet he takes his time out because he has compassion and he just finds a way to make it into his schedule to, to take care of him and then to take him to the inn and to take care of him at the inn. And when he's finally got to go because he's got things to do, he leaves some of his money there so that the man can be taken care of in his absence. And so what this guy does, what this good Samaritan does, is he gives some of his time, and he also gives some of his money. And I think that's a pretty good rubric for where you and I are supposed to be. But check this out. As we kind of draw near to the end here, man, I, I love this passage. Jesus digs a little bit deeper, and this is the part where, when, when I said at the beginning, if you really want to follow Jesus, like do exactly what he did, it's seemingly impossible. And Jesus dives a little bit deeper into what we're supposed to do for our neighbor in Luke chapter 6. So a few, just a few chapters before we were. Check this out. Luke chapter 6, Jesus says some things that are, man, just incredible about what we're supposed to do for people. He says, um, but here at verse 27, Luke 6, 27, if you want to follow there. He says, but here is what I tell you who are listening. So everybody who's listening, this is what I'm going to say to you. Number one, love your enemies. He says, give your time and your money to help the helpless. You know what that means? People who may potentially freeload off of you, right? People who may potentially take advantage of you. Give your time and your money to help those people. And your time and your money is not quite enough. Like, you have to love these people. Like, love them in such a way that it stirs you inside. It stirs your emotions like a real love for these people. People that you can't stand. People that get under your skin. People that are the biggest jerks. He says, these are people that are also your neighbors and that you are called to love. People that wouldn't spit on you if you were on fire. These are the people I'm calling you to love. And so first and foremost, what do we do with these people that are our neighbors? Man, we love them. And we don't just tolerate them and say hi through gritted teeth because that's all we can get out, right? He says, man, we're called to love them. And then he says, do good to those that hate you, right? So don't, don't you know, just barely restrain yourself from throat punching them or whatever it may be, right? Do good to them. Bless those who call down curses on you. Bless people who cuss you out, right? That's pretty tough. 
Pray for those who treat you badly. And don't pray that they get struck by lightning, right? Pray good things happen to them, even if it is at your own expense. Verse 29. It says, suppose someone slaps you on the cheek. And here's what they're thinking. Think original audience. Jesus says, suppose someone slaps you on the cheek, right? They're thinking, here's what you got to do. They can just almost interrupt Jesus at this point and say, well, here's what you got to do when somebody slaps you on the cheek, right? Um, you got to slap them on their cheek. And then after you slap them on their cheek, then you're even. Because the Old Testament scripture says, if someone, you know, jabs you in the eye, you jab them back in the eye, and then you're even, and then all things are good. And Jesus, I, I think, just very, just very subtly says to them, no, you're confusing legal justice, which is important, right? You're confusing legal justice with personal mercy and, and absolutely exercise justice in legal matters. But personally, here's what you got to do. You let them slap you on the other cheek as well. And look, we don't walk around slapping each other. Or at least we don't at my house. You may at your house. Um, we don't walk around slapping each other, but we do take jabs with our words. And he says, when you take jabs at one another, or when someone takes a jab at you, don't strike back. And then finally he says, suppose someone takes your coat, right? So, so not just words, they're actually stealing physical things from you. Suppose someone takes your coat. He says, don't stop them from taking your shirt as well. Uh, another version says, suppose someone takes your coat, offer your shirt as well, right? And the whole idea is that when someone takes from you, man, give them even more. It's, uh, it's pretty hard things to live up to. Am I right? It's pretty challenging for me. Somebody steals something from me, I don't think, here, take more. You know, you didn't get quite enough. So here's, as a result of what Jesus calls us to do, here's what we will do. Here's what the church will do. And look, let me just let you know, I'm not the, the mouthpiece of God, so I don't speak for the church, right? I, I just try to interpret the text and say what we'll do. And I hope you'll listen closely because in as much as I am the church, you are also the church. And so when I say what we will do, especially when I say what this local body of believers will do, I am speaking on your behalf. Those of you that follow Jesus. So I'm speaking for me and I'm speaking for you. And so you want to listen because if you disagree, you want to come up and let me know. Okay, just wait till we're done. Here's what we will do as the church. When we help the helpless, the first thing that we'll do is we won't hurt. I think that's a pretty interesting thing. When we help the helpless, the first thing we won't do is hurt people. And so if a gift enables someone, we won't give it. Right? And it's not that we're going to judge people's actions and judge all the things that they're going to do or why they got where they are. Right? We're not going to do all those things. But if it hurts more than it helps and it's not something we're going to do because our aim is to help people. And look, I, I struggled with that one in my brain for a little bit, you know. Um, and and, and what, I, what it boils down to is Jesus has called us to help people, not to give blindly and not to be foolish, right, but to help people. And so if someone can't take the hand out and can't be wise and can't be responsible, right, it doesn't mean we go, well, look, you don't get it, right? I'm keeping it for myself. It means you find another way to serve someone and you find another way to plug in and do for someone. We won't judge, but we will be wise so that we don't hurt people. When we help the helpless, we won't just meet a physical need. Man, there are nonprofit organizations all around the world that are meeting a heck of a lot of physical needs and doing some good stuff. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus never offered aid without a bigger picture in mind. 
And yeah, Jesus preached to a lot of people that, that could care less about what he had to say. And Jesus healed people that didn't want to hear him. And Jesus gave food to people that only wanted the food. And they didn't want anything else. But man, you know what Jesus did? He said, you don't have to listen, but I am compelled to speak. Right? And as we serve people, we'll be sure that when we give this food, we'll give it to someone who will have a lasting impact in their community and and someone who will meet the needs of people that are around them. And when we give some of our offering to the Global Hunger Fund, we'll we'll make sure that the people that we give it to have a presence there and, and they're doing their best to proclaim the gospel. And as they hand out food, that's not all that they're doing. And we'll just do our very best to be wise, to not just meet physical needs. Because what good is it to feed a man for his entire life, only to have him die and live eternity apart from the Father? Right? We'll meet physical needs. We'll meet spiritual needs too. The last thing we'll do as the church when we help the helpless is we won't try to do everything because that's impossible. We won't try to do everything, but we won't be satisfied with nothing. Personally, here's what I'll do. And, and, and I'll just speak because, man, I, you know, I, I just I wrestle with what I can do all the time and, and, and what's feasible for me. And here's what I'll do. Uh, I'll, I'll give as much as I'll give everything that I can at work. I won't phone it in and I won't act like, you know, I'm too good for my job. And not everybody's job allows them the opportunity to serve someone, but mine does. And, um, and so I'm going to make the most of that. I think that God put me there for a particular purpose, and so I'll do my best not to just have a job, but to invest in people and use the platform that God gave me to to help the helpless and serve some people who need a heck of a lot of help. So I'll do that. And the other thing that I'll do is I'll channel my everything else that I have, my money and my effort and my energy, into the ways that the church will help the helpless. And so that means that there are a lot of people that will cross my path that I won't get to help. And look, I'm not going to be foolish, right? If a guy's dying next to me, I'm not going to be like, I've already decided what I'm going to do, you know, so somebody else is there for you, right? Right? I'm not going to be unwise. But I am going to decide where I'm going to invest because I can't do everything. But I'm not going to be satisfied with doing nothing. I'm going to decide where God has called me to be, and that's what I'm going to be about. And so for you... Because the church is a collective body made up of individual members. If you are a part of the body of Christ, let me be very clear. You're called to do something. And if you're doing nothing, you're directly violating what God's called you to do. And and, and the word for that is sin. And so if you choose to do nothing for people, then you choose to live in sin. So as an individual, it's part of the big church. You've got to decide what you'll do. And I think, number one, it's saying, God, knowing that you called me to do something, guide my steps as I start walking. And then just start walking and use your voice in the church. Right. If you're like next year, man, we're not doing Global Hunger Sunday because I got something way better. And if it is way better then man, we'll do it and use your voice in the same way that I try to use mine to influence the church to do good stuff and use your pocketbook to to give some money so that we can give some of that away to, to people that need it. And so absolutely be a part of that. And individually, find someone whom you can serve. Find someone who you can share the gospel with. Find someone that you can invite to church. Find someone that you can help grow in their faith. All the while making sure that in the midst of it, you are loving God and loving people. Let me pray. God, I praise you. uh, I praise you for the opportunity to be your hands and feet. And God, I, I, 
I pray that we would not take lightly your calling to help the helpless. And for whatever reason, they're helpless and however they got there. And, and, and for all, all those things aside, God, I pray that we would take very seriously your calling to be generous and to be merciful. And God, even as I say it, I thank you and I praise you that we can do any of that because first you are merciful to us and first you are generous to us. And so, God, I praise you for that. I pray that we would be people who don't just sit and listen and in one ear and out the other, but we would be people who do what you've called us to do. God, we praise you for who you are, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Um.